Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome OT entrepreneurs to the OT's Get Paid podcast episode 61, where we will be discussing using data versus using your intuition in decision making. Now, I love a good woo as much as the next person. In fact, what attracted me to OT over physio was the blend of art and science, theory and clinical reasoning. In school, admittedly, when I saw the physios all dressed up in their workout gear for the eighth week in a row while doing weeks and weeks of palpating for the Electronon, I was really jealous because I felt like they were learning a hard skill and I wasn't. And fast forward almost 30 years later, as an OT, I now see the value of the ability to use all of my brain on theory, activity analysis, interviewing skills, client-centered decision-making, etc. But back to the woo. I'm using woo slightly tongue-in-cheek, but if you look at different personality assessments, different ways that we think and communicate and reason, things such as the Enneagram, the Myers-Briggs, or lately, I've been getting really into the human design chart. I would almost, you know, tongue-in-cheek classify these as woo, and I love them. I think they're a great primer and a great way to instantly communicate who you are, how you think, certain patterns that you have. Also, I have been enjoying the woo that my therapist brings. Have I been returning to therapy? You bet. With my physical health challenges, I realized pretty quickly the only thing that I really could control was my reaction to things. That plus the challenges that my family has had over the last few years, that plus COVID, that plus me being a brand new empty nester, you get the drill. Is it TMI to talk about returning to go to my therapist? I don't think so. I think that's what we're about around here. 
If you haven't already, go back and listen to episode 54, where I speak about sitting quietly to hear the answer. I tout the benefits of listening to the universe for your answer. It's pretty woo, right? My therapist also gave me an amazing tip, insight, I don't know what you would call it, reframe, when she said to me a few months ago, you know, Trish, it's not the destination or the outcome. It's the process. That's really what life is all about. Going. (laughs) I was like, what? Hasn't my whole life been about destination and outcome? And that switch, which is admittedly a pretty woo, has been so helpful, made such a massive difference in my personal life. So physical health aside, really, mental health-wise, I'm the healthiest I've been in an incredibly long time. However, this is a business podcast, so let's get back on track. How does this all sit with what I want to talk about today? As much as I love the art part of occupational therapy, and it really, as I said, was the difference between me choosing this career over others, at the end of the day, we are scientists, and we use data to make decisions. If you've listened to any of my other podcasts, you will have heard me say this on the regular. So let's use an example. For example, this podcast. I have data that shows me how many listeners we have each week, each month, how many listeners we have per episode, what the kind of click-throughs were like for the free items that we are sharing, how many listeners turn into leads, etc., etc. Now, a primer just while we're talking briefly about marketing, traffic versus leads versus customers, right? This podcast generates a lot of traffic. Then traffic turns into leads. That means when somebody raises their hand and typically gives you an email address or maybe they buy something for you or, um, you know, they give you their credit card, but typically it's an email address or a phone number for texting versus a customer, somebody that buys from you. I teach this in my programs, by the way, both programs, Road to 100K and 100K Club. And in my marketing masterclass, I give you a system for this. But while it came up, I wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page when it comes to this really important piece about marketing. Okay. Additionally, there is also subjective data that we have about the podcast. A big one is the DMs. A lot of people reach out and say, I just listened to this podcast episode, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I loved it. This actually is a great segue into a very cool story. Just last week, I was able to meet somebody in person. And let me tell you that story. And you can see how this would be a great data point. I'm going to paint a little picture. I am in a very small province in my country called Nova Scotia. I am not even in the capital city, which I think has about 400,000 people. I am two hours (laughs) away from the capital city. There's only one really big city in the province of Nova Scotia, and I am two hours away from it. I am at the edge of Nova Scotia. I am in Antigonish, Nova Scotia, and Antigonish has a population of approximately 4,000 people. And I'm there to drop my daughter off to university. There's a beautiful university in Antigonish, Nova Scotia called 
St. FX University for St. Francis Xavier. St. FX University. So the town really doubles its size when these kids come on campus because the school has about 4,000 students as well. I have dropped off my daughter. We have done the last run to Walmart. She has said her last goodbye. I have driven away from the campus. It is Saturday night, and I am returning home to Calgary, Alberta on Sunday. And I am in a teeny-weeny motel in teeny-weeny Antigonish in teeny-weeny Nova Scotia. (laughs) And Sunday morning, I get in the elevator. I realize I've slept in. Time zone is also a thing. And it's time for me to get the free breakfast so I can get on the road. And I see a woman. I leave my door and is I'm leaving the second floor. A woman is leaving her door. And we're kind of walking towards each other as we're going for the elevator. And I think, you know, it's okay. I know I haven't brushed my teeth. Hey, Trish. Yes, Ashley? As an OT entrepreneur who's just starting to make money, I bet you've thought, oh my gosh, I just got my first few clients. What the heck do I do now? Don't worry. At Therabyte, we have you covered. We heard you and we created intake and consent templates just for you. So you've downloaded the template and now you can say, amazing, I know exactly how to get my client started. Oh, I wish I'd had this in the beginning. I pulled everything together and needed something this efficient. Okay, so where can listeners find these templates, Ashley? Super easy. The link will be in the show notes. You just hop over to our website, find templates, and you've got your download. Sounds great. I know I haven't brushed my hair. I don't even have on a bra. This is a big TMI episode. (laughs) We both get, I smile at her. I think to myself, oh, that's such a pretty dress she's wearing. And we get into the elevator and she looks at me and she says, are you an OT? Oh, and I also have my very thick glasses on that I don't wear a lot in public. And I say, yes. And she says, are you Trish Williams? And I say, Yes. And then I think she says something like, oh my gosh, I'm one of your biggest fans, or oh my gosh, it's like meeting a celebrity, or something along those lines. And I start to listen, and she says, I'm so uncomfortable. I can't believe I'm meeting you. I listen to your podcast all the time. (laughs) So lo and behold, this lovely OT and I have and sit sit and have breakfast together. So that is a shout out to Nadine Harrison Boyd from Gander, Newfoundland, who was also at in Antigonish dropping her daughter off at St. FX University. So that is data. Okay. That is like very subjective data that somebody has gone on and on. And I mean, <laughs> she was referring to podcast episodes. FYI, Nadine's favorites are the one where my real-life bestie, Kelly Bynes, and I uh, have a co-host. So if you haven't listened to any of those, you can go check them out. Nadine said, you can just hear the friendship. (laughs) Oh, I loved meeting you, Nadine. So we have data using my podcast, an example, that allows me to make decisions about how I promote the podcast, how many times I put it out, where I, what topics I listen to, uh, what pardon me, what topics I choose, et cetera, et cetera. So really, the question becomes, 
what is the very best practice for us as OT business owners to use to make a decision? Is it pure data or is it intuition? I've given you two examples of where I use data in my business. And if you go back and listen to episode 54, I quite literally talk about how intuition has greatly changed my personal life and a lot of business decisions I make. So I ask again, what is the best practice? And in a very OT answer, (laughs) I think we could argue it depends. (laughs) Because listen to the end when I talk about how intuition still does serve us. But really the solution here that I want to talk about and promote is the evidence-based best practice for business is always data. You can never have too much data to make decisions. Now, how have you felt since you've heard this as the solution? Do you feel heavy? And are you thinking, Trish, this is too hard. Gathering data takes time. And I need to have systems. And I need to have a plan on when to do this and how to do this and how do I gather it and where do I record it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Trish, don't you understand that I am just trying to get this off the ground? Or for most people with data, they already have a business that is in the growth scale, the growth phase. Let me try that again, the growth phase rather. And they are just trying to stay on top of everything and they don't have the time. Let's talk about why making a decision based in intuition is appealing. This is some of this is taken from a Harvard Business Review article called Decision Making and Problem Solving. Don't trust your gut. They talk about the appeal of intuition because who doesn't like good woo? I mean, I started the podcast talking about how I love me some good woo. The HBR, the Harvard Business Review article, calls it romance, which I like. Using your intuition to make a decision is also faster. Gathering data, as I said, takes time. Using your intuition to make a decision feels more personalized. Like, I'm not just a number cruncher. I can trust myself. I know my business. I know my people. I have great ideas. I'm not just a number cruncher. I am a real person with a real personalized business. None of this is cookie cutter. I am good at this. The HBR article has a great sentence that says, people have always sought to put their faith in mystical forces when confronted with early confusion. But it's also dangerous. I love the way they said that. They also use the word using intuition to make a decision is a risky delusion. And we need more rigorous analysis, again, the phrase used in the HBR article, before letting intuition make that final decision. It is almost the prep to the decision-making. And again, a direct quote from the article, the more options that you have to evaluate, the more data you have to weigh, and the more unprecedented the challenges you face, the less you should rely on instinct and the more on reason and analysis. Now let's talk about how this relates to us. This is relevant for really those of you who are in the growth 
and or the scale phase of your business. If you don't know what phase of your business you're in, take our OTs Get Paid quiz. Go on the link in the show notes, podcast resources. It's there. It's called the OT Pays Quiz. OTs Get Paid quiz. And it asks you different questions about where you are in your business. Most people know if they're in the start phase, right? Um, most people know, and we call it an underpaid therapist with a business. Many of you are in the growth phase, which is feast or famine business owner. Or the scale phase, which is money to spare CEO. And there's so many OTs in these two stages. I've met tons. I've worked with tons. And I was one of them and I'm one of them when I had my clinic and now. That working in the business is still the priority as opposed to working on the business. Many of you, many, many of you that are in the growth phase, dipped a toe into the waters. You had a service that took off. And now you're running to keep up. And there isn't any more of you to go around. The answer, again, is systems. In the visual framework for the OTs Get Paid company and the 100K Club specifically, we talk about three pillars, increasing profit, increasing clarity, and increasing impact. Increasing profit for people that are in the growth phase or the feast and famine or the scale phase, the money to spare CEO. Profit talks about knowing your money, refining your sales and marketing, having a marketing and sales system, not just learning it. And at this point, it really is about doing less and really making sure that you have a system that works. I created the TLC system. And really streamlining your operations. I know you've got ops, but we need to make it tighter. The second pillar is clarity, where we talk about strategic planning. You know, one of our favorites around here at OTs Get Paid. Dating your CEO self, creating habits and week weekly, daily, monthly, quarterly rituals. And tracking your data. Let's put a pin in that. And we'll just talk, finish this framework out. Increasing your impact is the third pillar. And I love talking about this because it is so unique to OTs get paid. We know because we've talked to so many OTs, most of whom are women and who are female identifying, that the reason they started out in this in the first place isn't really to increase profit, isn't really to become, you know, clear on strategy. It's to create increased impact for their clients and their family and their community. So in the 100K Club we talk about, or in the framework we talk about inhabiting your zone of genius. Finding your freedom, because that's really, I've said this before, what the subset of the 100K Club could be called is finding your freedom and how to shape your community. I know you need to slow down to put this framework into practice. And again, if you remember, we, I said we're going to put a pin in something. Module two, which is clarity, and lesson three, tracking your data, addresses exactly that. How do you slow down and create systems for all of this so that you can be into work on your business instead of in your business? Let's go back to the HBR article because they have some really interesting things to say. And then we'll talk again specifically about OTs here. They talk about how middle management is often really good at intuition. Very often, people will do a really brilliant job through middle management levels where it's really heavily quantitative in terms of decision making. 
But when they reach senior management and things get more complex and ambiguous, we discover that judgment and intuition is not as it should be. Now, I don't believe most of us spend a lot of time in middle management that have businesses that are in the growth and scale phase. There are some OT business owners out there, and clearly I haven't met all of them, but most OT business owners that I talk to or that are at this stage have gone from therapist very quickly to CEO. In fact, I argue that they've already used some qualitative and clinical reasoning and people skills for their decision making. I'm not just in the science. I want you to go to the research. I want you to keep bringing as much quantitative information and science. Go to the conferences, develop our profession, etc. Many of us, though, again, I want to highlight, haven't spent a lot of time at this stage, but it's still a skill. We are still jumping from therapist to CEO really, really quickly. I think it's important that we define exactly what I mean by intuition here. And taken from Wikipedia, well, actually, what is it? Hmm. Oh, Oxford. It's the Oxford Dictionary. It is the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning. It is making a decision without conscious reasoning. And that can be a problem, especially as you have more complex problems, a larger business, a lot more information as you wear all the hats in your business. A lot of you are still in service delivery. You're doing ops. You're doing marketing. You're doing finances. You are doing strategic planning. You are doing sales and marketing. You are doing all of it. There's some interesting psychological theories that show, again, why we are so attracted to intuition. I've listed some practical reasons previously, but let's dive a bit into the psychological theory behind it. One of them is confirmation bias. That is the tendency to process information by looking for or interpreting info that's consistent already with one's existing beliefs. So really, that is stasis. That has occurred because our body and our brains are constantly looking for stasis from an evolutionary point of view. We want to, that's what the body's job is to do. We need to conserve the energy. We need a reduction of uncertainty and an anticipation of needs. And that gets really stressful. I mean, heck, think about COVID. Think about the health of everyone, the health of my children in the last little bit. Maybe like me, you have your own physical health challenges or mental health challenges. Keeping stasis is really tiring. And therefore, confirmation bias bias allows us to get through the information more quickly. The flaw here is that intuition automatically wants you to see patterns in something that is very random. And that is actually called apophenia. I learned that from Masterclass, by the way. I've never taken one of those before, and I saw that, and I thought it was fabulous. And by the way, confirmation bias is a type of apophenia. So that's cool. Your brain is supposed to do this, right? It's part of evolution. You're in caveman land. You see a dinosaur eat somebody, bad. You see it again, dinosaur eat someone, bad. You see it again, dinosaur eat someone, bad. Stay away from dinosaur. But we are past that. We are at upper level cognition, top of the brain stuff as a CEO, OT business owner. And even if you don't quite identify yet as a CEO, even if you think, 
heck, I'm just an OT who owns a business. If you are paying yourself and you have somewhat regular gross income and you have even the teeny tiny team, even a VA, if this is primarily your full-time job, if you have people that are asking for your services, I hate to tell you, (laughs) you are a CEO or I'm hopefully, I don't want this to be pressure. I want to free you up. I want to get you in tune with, hey, I'm not just an OT that owns a business. I am a CEO. We need to be more sophisticated than our ancestors. And intuition, in a way, was created for that simplicity, to conserve energy, for stasis, et cetera, et cetera. Now, McKinsey did an origin um, on the strategies that highlighted this. And the analysis was that if you think you make good decisions from intuition, it's just luck. And bad decisions are coming. One of the things they said is it really, McKinsey says that it takes away extra opportunities to solve a problem that might arise. It's not just A or B that are your choices. And sometimes if we're feeling really rested, we'll throw option C in there. In fact, the former mayor of Calgary, Nahed Nenshi, I've spoken of them before, they talked publicly about how they were not always loved on teams. He was, you know, a hometown boy from Calgary, Alberta, with parents who I think emigrated from Ghana, uh, grew up, you know, Muslim in a primarily Christian town, grew up as a person of color in a traditionally white town, and he left to become a Harvard-educated individual, worked in management consulting, and came back to be a prof and then ran for our mayor. Really interesting person. He gave many public speeches on how he would encourage his teams to come up with options D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, etc., etc., which made that decision-making take a lot more time. And, you know, if you work in the government, time is often money. It didn't make him crazy popular at some municipal levels. Let me give you an example of how this worked for me recently, and I want you to think of your own. As I mentioned in my previous story about bumping into Nadine, the major city that we fly into to go to St. FX University is Halifax, Nova Scotia. And I had done all the research to rent a car from Halifax. How many, how big the car needed to be for our luggage, if it was cars on site or if we had to take shuttles. I had looked, I had even called AMA, you know, taken a different route rather than Expedia. I had asked somebody I know who has status at Enterprise. I had done quite a bit of research and I felt like, yes, good, car, rented situation. As many of you know, at least in North America, we have a dearth of rental cars available because of I think everybody's traveling. I think that's a big one. I don't actually know. And then I think COVID, they just sold a bunch of their cars to keep costs down and they haven't ramped it back up. Those are the two reasons, I think. And guess what? I had done so much research that I had not pressed buy or rent here button. So I went to confirm a couple of days before and found that I had indeed not rented a car. Yep. Good times, people. And I kind of flipped out because you cannot get to Antigonish, Newfoundland with a bunch of 
luggage from Halifax without a car. So I kept thinking of a few options. Option A that I came up with was, you know, I'll take any sized car. It doesn't have to be like, you know, the standard or mini SUV that can hold all of my daughter's luggage. Option B was, I'll even take a car that's not right at the airport, even though we were landing at like midnight or one in the morning. I will even take a shuttle offsite. I'll even like go into Halifax proper because the airport's a little further out. That was about what I came up with. And it wasn't working. So I asked for some help. And other options, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, that were generated was, do we know anybody in Halifax where we could borrow their car or they could drive us? Is there an alternative to traditional car rental? There is, by the way. It's called Turo in Canada. Could we hire a moving van or a U-Haul? Could we actually get to another city and hire a car or a moving van or U-Haul? Smaller city, obviously, but like considerably further away. Could we mail everything and take a bus or a train? By the way, I would like to end the story by saying, after one million hundred times of visiting some traditional <laughs> car rental places, we did find a car and everything went incredibly smoothly. However, this is an example of using intuition and eventually landing on luck and how to avoid making bad decisions by having multiple, multiple ways of solving a problem. So how do we avoid apophenia? How do we avoid confirmation bias? How do we avoid making decisions just from intuition that McKinsey tells us if you've made good decisions since you're just lucky? Masterclass gives us three solutions. One is always be skeptical. I like that. I think scientists we are. I haven't had a ton of OTs that have run to, let's say, buy some of my programs and just been like, here, take all my money. They don't, actually. They ask really good questions. And that shows a certain healthy level of skepticism. I think us OTs are really good at that. Two, it's learning how to recognize bias. And we've talked about this. Your brain is wired towards bias. Recognize it. Think about it. Honor it. Do something about it. Third is analyze everything. Thanks, Masterclass. This brings us right back to what I want to talk about as the solution to the data versus intuition, which is data will give you the analysis that you need. So you are now aware of needing data and systems, especially if you're in the growth and in the scale phase, or as we call feast and famine, or money despair CEO. The good news is, we have a solution for you here at OTs Get Paid, and that is our 100K Club. We do a deep dive on these in the 100K Club. Now, before we get into the paid pieces, we have free options for you. If you need more clarity, remember we talked about the second pillar of clarity, we have strategic plan, we have a free video and template for you to use, again, found in podcast resources. We have a free weekly CEO report. It's more subjective or qualitative in nature where it helps you reflect on what you've done and planning for what you need to do to go forward. It's a good project management tool, productivity tool. And again, you can get them for free. We do a deep dive on exactly how to use these in the 100K Club. Inside the 100K Club, there's even more. There are more tools, the tracking tools, what to track, when to track, how to track them, a ton of really good handouts that I created back when I 
was trying to get past stalling in the growth phase. For those of you who haven't heard the story, please go back to episode one, season one, episode one, where I talk about how I was sitting on my dock and I had bonked in terms of growth for my in-person pediatric clinic in Calgary, Alberta, and what I did to solve it. I did all the work and then I turned around and decided to help people with it. What we help you with in the 100K Club is not a decision tree. It isn't a critical pathway, so to speak, that if, you know, I see those in medicine all the time. If patient has fever of 101.2 or greater than, give X number of things of Tylenol. Uh, It's not that kind of decision tree or decision-making tool. It's, But it's all still very, very applicable to your business and your business alone. Using these tools will allow you to gather all this relevant data that we've talked about. And you don't have to pull together all these different resources. We've got them for you. And I think you'll learn even more. Do you even know the data that's relevant to your business? Do you know what levers to pull? I always talk about business make being a machine. I think Rachel Rogers said that. I want to give credit where credit's due. I know it wasn't me, but I say it all the time. And what lever should you pull? in this money-making machine that you have, where to put your time, how to communicate the data with others on your team. We do that for you in the 100K Club. And if you're interested in more, go to podcast resources and you'll see a link there. So ultimately, I want you to harness the power of your intuition while remedying its flaws. That's where the kind of answer came to. In the battle of data versus intuition for decision-making, data is always going to win because of the reasons that we discussed in this podcast. However, at the end of the day, the art and science OT, I want to leave us with something a bit more balanced, which is we can harness the power of intuition while remedying its flaws, which means gather all the data you can. Make a data-driven decision and let your intuition be the last piece to guide you. That's my favorite way of making decisions, and that's what I would counsel for you. In the meantime, we can help you get all of the data tracked. Until next time. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you had feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time.